This is Comictating, the comic book review arm of the Nerdables family of podcasts. Let the nerds take over! Us? Huh? Welcome, comic book fans, to the latest issue of Comictating. I'm here with my partner, Sebastian, as always, coming to you from Earth 2 Comics in Northridge. This week, as always, we'll be going through some books that we love, uh, books that we like, books that we hope you guys will be reading. We've got three new number ones this week, one from Boom, one from DC, and one from Kingpin. One from Kingpin, oh my goodness. One from Marvel. Well, it's spoiled. Is King- Good night, it's spoiled. everybody. Yep. Gosh darn it. Most uh, professional. Yes. We are uh, we am professionals. It was, I was looking right at it. Um, so yes, one Marvel, one DC, one Boom. We're going to start with Boom Studios. We're going to start with Death Be Damned number one. This is a uh, a western, a weird western style. I guess is like one of yeah. the official names for supernatural it. supernatural western. Yeah, uh, it's written by Ben Acker, Ben Blacker, and Andrew Miller, and the art is uh, Hannah Christensen. Acker and Blacker are the members of the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Yes, um, there was a podcast that they've been doing. They've been doing like old timey radio type shows. They came to attention for me for a book called uh, Sparks Nevada, Marshall of yes, Mars. Yes, which was really, really good when they really came out. Really awesome what about, book. Three years ago? Yeah, a little bit less than that, but yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there. Uh, they also do a book called Beyond Belief, which is a supernatural book of short stories that they've done. Um, definitely stuff if you can locate it to pick it up. Coincidentally, this combines both themes. Yes, it Westerns does. and supernatural. As we said, it's a, it's a supernatural style, um, but with a you know the classic kind of Western... Themality to it, uh, we've got the opening. We have a young woman who we see this posse running away from a homestead, and a young woman wakes up. She's she's face down in a ditch, face down in a puddle. Comes into her house, and her, her husband and her daughter have been murdered. Place has been ransacked. Yes, one of her horses has been killed. Quite uh, quite violent. This is definitely not an all ages book. No, uh, no, there's there's definitely a bit of gore through here. And it opens in the classic uh, Western tradition. Yeah. In fact, the this intro, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen John Carter, the Disney version of the movie, but uh, very much the exact same opening sequence. And uh, the movie that no one saw. The movie that no one saw. That is actually pretty good. Yeah. At some point, I really, I really do need to see that. So, I've, everyone that's seen it has told me it's much better than than people gave it credit for. So it uh, it opens in classic Western tradition. We've got the highwaymen who are off. And she decides to go on the path of revenge. And then the book takes a bit of a turn, and a very interesting turn. Something I at least was not expecting at all. Yeah. The way the book opens, it's very much hard-boiled, it's very gritty, and it feels like we're going into a classic tale of Western revenge. And there's a very subtle hint of the supernaturality of it, because you yes. don't know how long she's been in that pool. Right, right. So, we don't know how long she's yeah. been in the pool. So we don't know whether, uh, you know, when I was reading just the first page, and again, I knew nothing about this book when it started. Um, it was just, you know, it was a number one, I'm always a big Western fan. Uh, one of our former associates works for Boom, and she said she really liked this book as well. Uh, so I read the first couple of pages and okay this is kind of straightforward and then yes we get into town and we find the um the undertaker is he has a body and he's what looks like he's almost performing an autopsy but he's trying to he's performing a ritual that we really don't know too much about and then right. we find out as we're going through so it is a very different book uh it's very much like jeff marriott's and john cassidy's desperados which is a very Somewhat straightforward Western tale, but there's a supernatural element to the villain. Right, right. Um, or Jonah Hex later in the 90s when Timothy Truman got a hold of him and uh, did Two Gun Mojo and what is it, Worm Riders and such. Worm yes, Riders of the West yes. and such, which was they took the classic Jonah Hex, which was a straightforward Western genre book, and made it into 
a, a fantasy supernatural sci-fi book. So there's a very long tradition of that kind of Western in comics. This continues it. Um, Acker and Blacker have that background through this, and they do very fun, rollicking adventure type stuff. Like it's Sparks Nevada is a, it's fantastic. It's just a, yeah, and it's just a very fun kids adventure. It's got some underlying themes of him. You know, he goes to Mars because he's trying to, or was it he 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 fails his parents or something, or he can't join the space force or something, right, and so he, he goes decides through. to go to Mars. So yeah, this, it's definitely something that's done with a. a great bit of craft to give it a little more weight than what you see on the surface and i think the same thing's here um it's a four issue miniseries so we know that it's got a a beginning a middle and an end right um but yeah it's it's explained well you don't have to i mean obviously as characters that you're introduced to they're not given the kind of standard here's an entire page of origin story right. it comes out through a lot of the dialogue right who's this person what are they doing here yeah not and a lot allows... of that is very important especially no. for this book yeah the stuff that you need to know is laid out to you page by page and so you're not you're never lost but you're also never just hit over the head with the type of um information that that an author thinks you would need or demands that you know uh, so it's done in a, in a deft style in in my opinion for it so uh yeah a book that really wasn't on either on either of our radars that we really enjoyed so no and, and boom is always a good bet for yeah uh for almost any kind of book that they put out nowadays that very much like image very very hard to find that image book that is coming out that you know it's from now a company that is i they used to be the big two i think it's now the big four personally with they get up to five or six yeah you start putting in Dark Horse and uh, IDW. IDW. Yeah, and there's a huge space now for a lot of stories to be told versus uh, especially back in the 80s and 90s when it really was the big two. When you go back even further, indie comics used to be a big thing. The Western used to be a huge comic genre. So it's very, very good to be able to go, hey, hey, I want something that's not superheroes. So to have that many companies to go to that are providing things that are pure science fiction, pure Western, heck, even things like this where it's mystical Western to get stories from the far-flung future, to get stories from the past. Uh, DC had its vertigo line to do things like Northlanders to be able to cover a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's good that you're getting a lot of these books, and I enjoy good Western, so I'm very, very happy to have something I can go to. Yeah, Boom has definitely hit that kind of niche, I've said, for a couple of years now. They're sci-fi. Uh, they're doing some of the best sci-fi that's oh, yeah. out there. Uh, Venus is great. Uh, they did a book called Cluster, yes. which is, you, you take out all of the kind of, not in a bad way, but the high-handedness of something like Bitch Planet, and uh, Cluster has a more straightforward story, but it's really, really well done. And they've been doing horror, they've been doing uh, supernatural ghost story type stuff, so they've definitely had these small little pieces in, in series, and they put them together, they find really good uh, writers and artists. Um, Stark and Hannon Christensen, in, in doing a, a non-traditional style, I mean, something that's almost... Um, Gosh, it's hard to describe. I'm trying to think of who I'm thinking. Almost like Guy Davis, maybe, in a way. Um, it, it's very flowing line work. Uh, it's very impressionalistic. It, it's not, you know, like, super it's not detailed. Very yeah, you look at, like, the gun, the, the rifle that she brings in. It's not super detailed. It doesn't need to be. You know exactly what it is. It's just right. got enough to know that it's a long rifle. Um, you know, the, the pistols and stuff like that. It's nothing in a bad style. So it's got a really good flow to it from that sort of a piece it's very bprd ish yeah as you get yeah. through some of those bprd issues uh and later hellboy issues in, in that style so um 
really, really good stuff. So Death Be Damned, number one, definitely something, like you said, wasn't on our radar, but once we found it, definitely something to, to uh, something that we'll be picking up the other issues for. Let's go into the realm of DC. Coming out of the recent Justice League of America versus Suicide Squad or with Suicide Squad, the end of that series featured uh, Killer Frost saving the day and Batman deciding that she deserved the chance that she was supposed to be given in the Suicide Squad, but now in a different way. Right. We opened the book in Happy Harbor. People who know the history of JLA, uh, if you've read JLA Year One, you know Happy Harbor has a very special meaning because the cave that's in it is the original home of the original Justice League of America. So Batman sets out to... Uh, to to set up a new team. Actually, this is the rebirth issue. I keep forgetting. So this is a much like all the way in the past where we started. The past of six months ago. Yeah, the past of six months ago. It was more than six, five, seven, seven, eight months, months now. Ago. Yeah, because we started in, in May. Um, it's a, it, in the tradition of that rebirth special. This is like the zero issue this is, yeah. as it sets it up. So Batman has Killer Frost as a start for his team. And we go through each character. Black Canary, Lobo, the Ray... Uh, what was in the this, Adam? Uh, the Adam, the new Vixen. Adam, yeah, Vixen, uh, which was very different than sort of the Vixen I've seen before, and um, each character, kind of like the character that he has beforehand, then helps recruit the next character. It's, yeah, it's very much, a, it's very much a, in the classic, you know, sort of a heist style movie yeah. where, you know, you have the Batman who recruits one person, then they both recruit the next person to try yeah. and convince them. So there's obviously tensions between all of them, but it, it's. This was actually better done than I thought it would. Uh, there's a couple of characters and stuff. Like, I know the Ray, and I know the Adam, and I, and I know um, Ryan Choi to a certain degree, but it does a good job of reintroducing those characters to you. Yes. Uh, if you don't know them, the Ray here is a brand new character, I guess, uh, in terms of who has the Ray's powers. Vixen's powers are, are the same, but her character is a little different than last time she I read her. She felt very uh, Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. Which, no, uh, which I appreciate. Yes. Yeah. She's easily... the That she, TV series with Dwayne McDuffie as one of the head writers, definitely put her character back on the map at DC. So very much appreciated to get that version of the character. Supermodel, who can call on the powers of any animal she wishes she has a special amulet. Just for those who don't know a lot about her character, the Ray can control light. We have Ryan Choi, who is the Adam's protege and student. And yeah. they're they're doing a bit of the search for Ray Palmer kind of thing. Ray yeah, they Palmer set up a couple missing. of the, 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 the mysteries in it, which is interesting because they did that. Oh, God, what it was... It was it wasn't Crisis on Infinite Earth. It was one of those, like Countdown or something, where one of the big things was the search for yeah, Ray Palmer. Yeah, that was, I believe it was, I think it was, was it Countdown like, yeah, it was or like in a, uh, a 52, maybe. Yeah. I think, it was, I think it was Countdown. I think it was yeah. the second one. It was like Donna Troy and Roy and a couple right, other right. people. Because they went looking were for him, and he was in essentially the DC's version of the microverse. Yeah. Um, so really, the, the bulk of this book is these characters as they're kind of put together, and also what Batman's trying to do. Right. In, in building a team that is uh, more focused on, I think, the not the day-to-day -day type of problems, but the stuff that is sort of beneath the Justice League. Sure, sure. A team that's got, as he puts it, you know, gods on that team, and I need people on this team. Yeah. People who have, have earned their powers or they're given their powers and they're trying to kind of figure out their way through the world. Um, yeah. And, of course, it's got it's got the old Lobo in it. It's got the main man. It's got man. classic Lobo, the, the main man himself. And yeah. I still hear uh, Raymond's brother as the voice of Lobo <laughs> from Everybody Loves Raymond. And that, that's the one thing that I appreciate is that, you know, when you get the perfect choice... You know, he's got that too. He's like, I'm the main man. I'm you know, the main. Yeah. you know, and I appreciated even the jokiness Raymond. of the character. It's going to have the Raymond thing. 
Ray. Ray. Uh, the fun thing to do, go through Scott Snyder's New 52, but read it as the Brave and the Bold Batman. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, my goodness. Why can't I remember his name? That was in uh, that was in the Drew Carey show. Oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness gracious. But his voice, reading Snyder's that's supposed to be, like, you know, fairly super, super serious. serious. Yeah. But the voice still fits. You know, oh, yeah. almost everybody reads their Batman as Kevin Conroy. Yes. But putting this guy through it, and and I because I was watching that show like right in the middle or right at the beginning of New Fifty Two, and oh, I started reading one of my it. favorite, The Hammer of Justice is Eunice. Exactly. You know, that, so uh, good. that voice. That that voice is fantastic. Oh yeah, and I uh, it, either Kevin Conroy or him. I the, the two, depending on how I want. If I want the book to be serious, I'll read it in Kevin Conroy's voice. But the fun thing is when it's serious and you read, read it in, in the joke voice, in it's the still kind Batman of Brave it's kind of fun. voice. No, this book was incredibly fun. I I had a good time. Even just having characters like Classic Lobo. Whatever happened to the Pretty Boy Lobo? Doesn't matter. He's gone. You have Classic Lobo back. The version of Killer Frost as in this book is the uh, Sterling Gates version of Killer Frost, who we yeah. saw in the Fifty Two or the New Fifty Two version of the book. We have Ryan Choi back. I but there's enjoy- definitely uh, there's definitely nods to what's going on with the Killer Frost character in the Flash yes. TV series. Yes, and she hasn't done the things that this Killer Frost has done, but she in, in the TV series she's kind of she's afraid of being the character that this character is in the comic. The comic is like I don't want to be that character again. I want that shot. I want that yes. Yeah. Diedrich Bader. That's the voice. yes yes. Could not remember that for the life of me. Diedrich Bader, and of course John DiMaggio as Aquaman was so good. James Earl Taylor being Green Arrow. If you Dee ever Bradley have the chance, Baker. go find Batman Brave and the Bold. It was on Netflix for the longest time. They took it down for whatever reason. Some some mystery reason. You know, The, the studios decide they don't want it to be on the streaming service anymore. Those were those anymore. things. Uh, it was on like one of the Black Friday sales or something at Best Buy. Because I had bought the first season. I think I had might have had the second it's four seasons or five seasons yeah, the rest of it was just long. i bought all of it i've gone through it it's great the upcoming flash episode with the music meister hurts me so bad that it's not, not neil, neil patrick, patrick harris, harris. There's no point. that's the no episode point. that turned me it was one of those things as we go off on a total tangent the, the batman brave and the bold cartoon i watched like the first one or two and i'm just like eh, this is kind of dumb i don't get it whatever and I happened upon the Music Meister episode, and it was so catchy and so much fun. And so about halfway through it, I'm like, oh, this is the Silver Age Batman. This yeah. is like the Batman TV series if he was if, put if it was a in sequel. the Silver Oh, my God. I totally get this now. I totally get it. I went back, and I started from the beginning, and now the Aquaman episode makes a lot of there, sense. The, the and Aquaman episodes so good. are absolutely amazing. Yeah, and the thing with Green totally Arrow, changes. Yeah, the Green Arrow one's great, because Green Arrow's in the Music Meister episode. It was also Black Canary's in it. Uh, an entire episode was basically a nod to Wacky Races. Yep. With all of the supercars that the superheroes used and to have, it, and to to have some of the like the subversive humor in it, the great uh, Red Kryptonite episode, yes. when uh, <laughs> Lois and and uh, Jimmy are talking to Perry, and Jim and you know, Perry's like, "What's wrong with Superman?" Jimmy's like, "Yeah, he's acting like a real di- different person." As Lois cuts in, I love that so much. They had the. Uh, uh, there's so much, there's so meta in it. Every time Batmite shows up, it's a totally oh, yeah, meta yeah. episode, including the last episode, yeah, which he fall. literally jumps a shark. Yes, and it's like, yep, too much as the might fall. Anyway, uh, so yes, read all of your comics in Diedrich Bader's voice and see how it's different. Uh, so the book, yeah, it, it's a, it's a team up book. It's to get this team together. You yep. you get to see some of them. Uh, kind of in their interactions with each other. It's not heavy-handed to me. The, the great thing is, no, like, no. Lobo is going to be an a-hole and everyone's going to be kind of... But it's not... He's so not, like, over the top that you don't even buy it. He's definitely yeah. there for a reason. He obviously respects Batman. 
He obviously has a point to be in this team or somewhere to the same thing of being um, how can I sort of redeem some of the, not redeem some of the things we've done, but to do something that may make up a may make up a difference. Lobo is the muscle of the group. Yeah. And someone he, who can go toe to toe with anybody. Yeah, He's and not survive. a guy who's really there out of some sort of guilt for anything he's done. But yeah. he's a guy who is just, you know, hey, what's the job? Well, I'm through the stuff, I mean, especially uh, through the, the crossover, Lobo's been manipulated by Amanda Waller. Uh, and right. not my, excuse me, um, uh, Max Lord. Yes. Uh, and so his uh, Batman keep uh, Batman breaks him of that piece before he does breaks yes, him the, of that control. control. And so he owes Batman for it. He's like, I never want to be anybody else's. You know, it's my choice whether I want to be beholden to someone. And so he's right. kind of he's got like almost an oath of honor with uh, with Batman. So. Uh, and then the last page gives you some clues. There's four panels that show you kind of some of the things that are coming up, uh, including finding Professor Palmer, Batman with the Liberty Shield, um, Killer Frost facing someone who we don't know. I guess you could probably guess. And the Ray and kind of like Felix Faust in a way, yeah. Isn't got the so red in, cloak. In terms of a setup book, it's great. It's a way to kind of get all that characterization out within the Rebirth book. And then when we see issue one in two weeks or so, we can hit the ground running right. and go from there. Um, I forgot to give the credits. Joe Orlando is writing the book, and uh, I think it's it's Even Rice, right? Yeah, Even Rice doing the penciling. Yeah, beautiful artwork. Yeah, Joe Prado and Claire Claire Albert doing the inkers. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really good book. Marcelo Maleo's colors are really nice. It's again subtle type stuff. Rice is has become kind of DC's go to for that that important book. You know, um, someone who's probably an underrated superstar. Uh, he did work on Green Lantern for years. Yeah. Justice Jeff League, Johns, Justice League. So no, he's he did he did one of their he did one of their big things, didn't he? I can't remember if uh, no Finch did Forever Evil. I don't remember who he had one of them that that one of the recent ones he did uh, the art for kind of one of those big crossover type issues as well. Um, and I think he started Justice League for this too with uh, yeah. Brian Hitch. Such so Justice League America Rebirth special it brings us to our final. Uh, entry today the marvel book kingpin number one but why don't they put him on the first page uh matthew rosenberg doing the writing ben torres doing the art and jordan boyd doing the color art um kingpin has had a long and storied history in the marvel universe he is most normally known as the kingpin of crime in new york city controlling all of the, uh, really, the, the organized crime, the mafia-type stuff. Hey, Daredevil is his main foil, but he's gone up against Spider-Man. Any of the street heroes, Punisher, yeah. you know, reading Punisher for years, Kingpin, or someone within the, the Kingpins. Yeah, guy. was always kind of the background guy. And through the years, he's been kind of pushed out and come back in. You know, he leaves to go to Europe when something happens with Vanessa, and he gives up everything, and then he comes back with a vengeance, yes. and then he gets forced out again. The Owl takes over. The Rose takes over. There's all these different pieces. So now we have Kingpin number one. Um, running with the devil. <clears throat> the thing I was afraid of is that if you weren't reading Daredevil, which I'm not at the moment, uh, you wouldn't understand what's going on. But Daredevil is it makes an appearance, but really you don't need to know. You don't need to know anything. Yeah, anything that's going on through there. In fact, if you've only seen the Netflix Daredevil TV show, you're probably going to really enjoy this book. Yes, it definitely has its heart in the relationship that we saw. Um. Uh, Wilson Fisk in the TV show with, with Vanessa. With his version of Vanessa, yes. Yeah, this is a, a, a reporter who he is interested in doing his biography. And kind of the the juxtaposition, the ju just, just of it is that he wants to get his story out there 
Um, as he promises her with all the warts and all. Yeah, he wants it all out there. But he's... the reasoning for it so that people can understand. So as he moves forward in what he's saying, a, a sort of like the gentler, kindler kingpin, people will understand why he's making the change and, and what he's doing. Um, it's a very psychological book to a certain yes. degree. There's a lot of different motivations through here. There's a lot of psychological, manip- uh, psychological manipulation from the kingpin himself. Uh, but done in a great way yes. because you're not 100% sure. You're like, well, maybe he does mean it. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Just like, again, if you've seen the TV series. Uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio does an amazing, amazing job, job. Of, of you believe him when he's kind and you definitely believe him when, when he's, he's being murdering people all over the place. Um, the art in this is... is uh, it kind of reminds me of, of some of Joe Quesada's easy uh, early work. Yes, a little bit of Sin City too. There's a yep, few panels. Yeah, there's definitely some where Sin City type stuff. They'll just in be it. like pure contrast of characters, like yeah. in white against black, with no other features to them except for say, like, uh, in fact, you just passed a page. It's a great panel where you're seeing the entire party, but you can pick out the kingpin because the only person with a shirt and bow tie. Yeah, set he's in the done contrast. in black and white. Ooh, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, and, you know, his dinner jacket's in white, and his shirt under would be in black for the thing, which is actually contrast what the actual style would be um it's it's blocky but not in a bad way yeah it's it's big and round bold really captures i think the city really well she's uh he's got some good movement and some right. of the very few kind of action or fight scenes that are within this yeah yeah it, when they drive up to kingpin's house it's a very stark you know it's super detailed but it's very stark in terms of colors yeah, yeah. um the palette of the book is very is very gray, kind of gray and beige tones, and then there's some some pieces of red in the middle of the book. She's in a beautiful red dress. Yeah. Um, no, it's a and even the character of the reporter is an absolutely interesting character, and the way they're sort of setting her up is she's sort of taking the tropes of being like the deadbeat dad. She's the deadbeat mom. Yeah. She's a reporter who's been down on her luck. She's not making a lot of money. She's uh, a recovering alcoholic, or at least she's a recovered alcoholic for at least a couple weeks now. You know, she so she's trying to get her life she's back together. She's 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 on the steps and she's making her way back up. And the kingpin, of course, has an offer she can't refuse because money talks. And well, he also says, if she refuses it, there's no story. Sure, and also if she <laughs> kingpin refuses, number two gets canceled. <laughs> it's done. I'm not gonna do it, Wilson. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, then uh, coming next month, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> So I appreciate it. The Kingpin that. drives around town and looks sad. And I do enjoy that they sort of make light of that in the book uh, where he's like, I'll pay you for your time. Uh, you know, and she's like, oh, you're lucky I'm you're lucky I'm curious. And uh, not Wilson, but uh, but his aide basically says, no, yes. I'm lucky that you're poor. poor. Uh, Wesley is in the book. Yes, someone Wesley who they invented back. for the TV series in a way, I think. I don't remember ever seeing him before that. He He's the version of Wesley in the the TV show. No, he's been around. He was in... Was he, he there before? Yeah, he was I even in uh, the, the Daredevil movie. So he's been a character that's been around. But okay. I think I this version of Wesley it, yeah. is... Well, I think Wesley, if I'm not mistaken, has also died once or twice before. Well, so has everybody else in the Marvel Universe. But this version Cap's of Wesley... Cap's on is like his 30th life. Yeah, it's very much really like the TV show. you really shouldn't be able show. to survive being frozen in ice for 40 years or whatever. Yes. And yeah, once no. you crack him out, he's oh, man, that was terrible. No, that shouldn't have happened. Sorry, no way. Um, Oops, now we got to put you back in the ice Yeah, cap. there's definitely a, a feel to it. I love the cover, which really has nothing to do with the... Because you have Elektra and Daredevil, and then you have a very psychotic-looking bullseye I love that in the bullseye. bottom right corner. He's not, he's not even in this book. He's yeah. on the cover, but he has bloodshot, like, thousand-yard yeah, stare He's eyes. got red eyes, like, huge... You know, th- and he's staring right out at you. Everybody else is kind of staring off the cover, yeah. you know, it looks like an album cover where everybody's kind of looking towards the edges of the of the CD case like a or whatever. Rock band. Yeah, but then it's just bullseye at the bottom, like bro, 
I'm right here. Yeah. So uh, the bullseye book that we covered last week, it very much is that type of character on the front here, which was great. Um, so we've done two villain books in a row and found them both to be fascinating, I think, for different reasons. And this one, I always say, though, the Kingpin number one definitely has me over the top. Because as much as I liked yeah. the Bullseye book, this the one... The Bullseye was, book was good, but it, it's a villain book. Kingpin is, is always going to be an infinitely yeah. more interesting character because it's a of everything piece. that he has uh, with him as he's gone through so much. And, you know, as we said, the character of Daredevil is insanely lucky in terms of the people that have worked on him. Yes. You know, to have people like Frank Miller and Brian Michael Bendis and Brian Azzarello and Mark Wade do Matt Murdock's stories, Kevin Smith... Yep. Uh, do a very short but you know revitalize the daredevil uh that we know helped joe quesada start marvel knights led to joe quesada being the editor-in-chief of marvel and now the publisher of marvel or what have you um so the, the by ancillary means the characters around him have always been yep. that much more the kingpin and brian michael bendis's book is very very different than reading the punisher book you know chuck dixon stuff in the early 90s yes and, and it served its purpose of Kingpin was just the pure evil that the Punisher was trying right, to go right. kill. Yeah, and um, uh, Brubaker and uh, Brian Michael Bendis turned the Kingpin into very much a, a bigger mastermind than he ever used to be. Yeah. In, in the old days, it was like, and it was the Kingpin all along. But at least with with them working on the book, they sort of gave the Kingpin the motivation that you did see eventually in the TV show where yeah. he does have a deep love for a city. But for him, he's a guy who sees, like, look, by any means necessary, I'm going to yeah. keep the city nice. He's much more Luther. Yes. Uh, yeah, they turned him very much into a Luther. Luther or Doom, you know, that type of character that you can see the underpinnings of what he or she cares about. Right. Uh, that he then takes to the extreme of of, of doing this. You know, it's, and we, we've seen this in real life with, with um, connected men, uh, mafiosos and, and, and um, uh, capos and the like, where... People in the community love them because they're very good to their community, but yes. they're also criminals. Right? You know, they're they're nefarious means that that get them their money and their power, but then they also turn around and give it to the community to a certain right. degree, where the community will protect them from the law and that type. And and they've done that sort of thing with Kingpin in a couple places. So, um, yeah. Again, three books that I think for the for each of us, not necessarily radar books that we were we were looking forward to than some of the other stuff that we've seen through. I kind of wanted to see what they did with Justice League of America because right. I thought the lineup was interesting and, and it and it delivers Death Be Damned, again, wanting it to be good because it's a it's a Western. And I, right. I love Westerns too. I love Western comics. I love straightforward Western comics. Jonah Hex is one of my favorite characters. Uh, very good. And then Kingpin, again, something that I'm just like, okay, yet another, you know, Marvel's gone through this with all these different characters. Bullseye and Solo and, and Slapstick and uh, uh, Gamora. Yeah, you know, a lot of these types of uh, right now, publishing these shorts or miniseries or or character pieces for single characters, and you know, a few of them are good, a few of them are not so good, and then we get something like Kingpin that's super interesting and, and something that I think they can run for a while. That's not going to be a straightforward beat them up and knock them down, right? Right. Get back up and knock them down again type thing. It's very uh, understated uh, in a good way. Right. So. It's got the it's got the underpinnings of a political thriller and I enjoy that. Yeah, it's definitely got a thriller aspect to it. That's a good way of putting it. More of a thriller than your straightforward action yeah. movie. So. Even even Matt Murdock himself is not Daredevil in this book. He's Matt Murdock Yeah, he's in it for a second and, it, and but he brings a very, you know, th that moment is really well done. Yeah. Uh the scene with him and yeah, it's, her. Yeah. It's like two pages when they run into each at other. Most. Yeah. And there is a nice bit of humor in the book as well. Yeah, um, well, yeah. When the, the Kingpin meets her afterwards when she gets out of the house in her pajamas. It was hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, Kingpin number one, I think, pick of the week. Death I, oh, yeah. Not too, yeah, not too far behind. 
and Justice League America Rebirth. If you're if you're interested in those characters or if you want another good Rebirth special, um, even if you're just looking for something that maybe you won't even get into the series, but you're just looking for one issue that you kind of want to get through and have some fun characters. I love the font for the Justice League America. Again, oh, yeah. Old yeah. style. It's got cool the font. without the border. It has that same, you know, because it used to yeah, be like, almost like a shield friendly. design. Yeah. And it's I, got, yeah, it's got the, the you know the kind of the one they used for the seventies and eighties for yeah. you know Super Friends or whatever. Um, yeah, so three books, three good books this week. Three, yeah, three really good, three books. really good books. Yeah, this week. Kingpin definitely right on the yeah, top. Yeah, definitely me. one is a definitely one we want to read. We want to keep going. So uh, that's going to do it for us for this week. Of course, uh, as always, we are a member of the Nerdables podcasting group. Uh, the Nerdables uh, uh, main show fathership show i don't even know what to call it umbrella we're umbrella? Un- we're no, the we're, we're under, under the umbrella of and this the would be the the post or whatever uh is usually once a week this week i'm surprised we didn't record during the super bowl i thought we were going to and then we didn't we were probably too full and Lots i'm sure i'm sure attentions were high with uh with the win of the patriots out <sighs> of nowhere i'm not even a football guy and i was surprised because i was like well the falcons, so the falcons they got this in the bag and then like oh my god oh as no. people were going no no it's over it's over and i'm like that's not a lot of points no. 21's not a 21's a lot of points but it's only three scores right it's not like right 21, 21 21 is not a lot yeah. in a game where you can do that in two or three touchdowns yeah you know they got a lot of breaks and and you know and then some that they made themselves but yeah but a lot of good food and stuff like that but anyway yes usually uh nerdables is once a week we should probably have a new episode by the end of the weekend we've got the walking dead cast that's coming back up as walking dead starts again next week uh and our star wars declassified is also in there once we 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 get a new subject and we'll have that as well so if you listen to us please give the rest of the nerdables umbrella a chance for my partner sebastian this is chris and we'll talk to you next week